From the world-famous city of New Orleans, it's the Black and Blue Report. Starring Sean Kelly, producer Dan, D-Dub in the Black and Blue Orchestra, yeah. and the Benchwarmers. Today's special guests include the New Orleans Saints, the New Orleans Pelicans, and whoever else we could get to stop by. Online and worldwide, it's the Black and Blue Report. Live, sort of, from Studio B, here's Sean Kelly. Welcome in. How goes it? Wednesday edition of the Black and Blue Report coming to you today from our New Orleans Arena studios. We are off campus today getting ready for Pelicans basketball tonight at the arena. Got a lot on our plate today. As uh, as you do too, as a New Orleans sports fan, you've got Pelicans basketball, Saints and Falcons on your mind, a whole lot more uh, as we get really into the teeth of a busy sports week here, a Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday that feature both of our teams, and we'll cover them both as we uh, do for you here on the Black and Blue Report. Sean Kelly with you, producer Dan's across the way and uh, set to go. We've got a nice guest list for you today. We're going to hit both um, teams up and uh, take things uh, to a national level, too. Steve Weiss from the NFL Network will join us today. Of course, NFL Network is covering, or carrying, I should say, the game on Thursday night on television. Uh, 7.30 kickoff, is that right, Diesel? I keep thinking because I'll be in Atlanta tomorrow. That's going to be 8.30 for me, but 7.30 for you all here in the Central Time Zone. Steve Weiss will be a part of that coverage as he is uh, every day on NFL AM, and he is yours today on the Black and Blue Report. Tomorrow night, for those of you outside of the New Orleans market, uh, the radio coverage will come from Westwood One, and Ian Eagle is the voice of uh, Thursday Night Football in the NFL for Westwood One. He makes another appearance for us today on the Black and Blue Report. He'll help us preview the ball game, and then uh, David Wesley stops by. It is Wesley Day. Wednesday is always Wesley Day, and, and Dub uh, will stop by and get a set for Pelicans and Jazz tonight from the New Orleans Arena. And the New Orleans uh, Pelicans looking for win number two on this homestand, and uh, they owe the Jazz something, don't they? The Jazz come in 1-11, and 11, the one win against your Pelicans during that rough road trip out west, but New Orleans coming off that win against Philadelphia last weekend, finding themselves at 5-6, uh, and six. And uh, Cleveland still to come on the homestand. So, if all goes well, the Pelicans would be 500 at the end of the homestand, and Monty Williams would have earned his 100th career win as an NBA head coach. I'm not going to bring that up to coach just yet. Um, yeah, producer Dan was telling me earlier today that maybe we should hold off on uh, things that we don't want to jinx anything. And I said, well, you know, at some point we got to talk about it. 100 wins is 100 wins, and. It will be worth noting, and I hope that happens this week against the Cavaliers. That would be on Friday night. So, Iron Eagle, Steve Weish, and David Wesley today on the Black and Blue Report. Uh, yesterday, uh, it was like a Tuesday, a Wednesday, and a Friday combined uh, over at uh, the Saints practice facility. You know, this compressed week has really uh, knotted things up, and uh, so we got to talk yesterday to quarterback Drew Brees, head coach Sean Payton, uh, Corey White yesterday, a lot of guys, including defensive coordinator Rob Ryan, uh, who normally speaks with us on Fridays. But uh, Coach uh, Ryan was uh, gracious enough to meet with us yesterday, and that's a good thing because we had some news to talk about. Obviously, um, our uh, our fears were realized about Jabari Greer's leg injury. It's a torn ACL in that left knee, and he is done for the year, been placed on, on IR, and uh, the Saints made a roster move in picking up cornerback uh, Trevin Wade 
uh, and added him to the team in light of that injury. Here's Rob Ryan yesterday talking about the loss of Greer and what this now means for young Corey White, who will step into that role. Jabari is having such a great year. He's a great person. We'll miss him in, in the locker room most. And, and uh, But he's, he was having a great year. Um, he was doing everything we asked him to do and then some. So uh, this Corey White's really been an ascending player. Uh, he's been outstanding. He's a very physical player. He's a smart kid. Uh, he's just getting better and better. So, um, you know, we've had had we've lost some great players uh, along the way, and we've been such so fortunate to have you know excellent players behind him. And that's that's what uh, this Corey White's just been you know. Uh, you know, begging for an opportunity, and he, he's going to be great when he gets in there. Yeah, he's got it. He's got a big opportunity coming up starting tomorrow night against the Falcons. That's Rob Ryan. Sean Payton also touching on a few things yesterday, one of which was the rivalry or the um, series, I should say, as they more look at it, between the uh, Saints and the Falcons. And while the uh, Saints go in at 8-2 and two and the Falcons at 2-8 and eight and decimated by injuries and nothing going right in Atlanta, uh, don't be surprised if tomorrow night doesn't go, uh, well, as crazy as they've been here lately. You know, certainly you want to play well in your opening game, and it just so happened to be a division opponent. With regards to this series, and I mentioned this in the team meeting, you, you can really just go back through the last six, seven, eight years, and you know, every one of these games seems to come down to a one-possession type of game, regardless of how one team is doing or how the other team is doing. It's been really consistent. and. You know, I expect this to be the same. More rent, more mental reps today for the Saints, and then they travel this afternoon to Atlanta, and then we'll have a, a nice show for you from Atlanta tomorrow. Tomorrow on the program, the voice of the Falcons, Wes Durham, the voice of the Saints, Jim Henderson, and uh, John DeShazer live from Atlanta tomorrow as well, along with uh, a Pelicans uh, postgame wrap. It's going to be a busy Thursday show as well. We're busy today, so we better get started. Steve Weiss of the NFL Network, uh, with David Wesley here on Wesley Day, and Ian Eagle of Westwood One and the NFL on CBS. As a matter of fact, Ian Eagle joins us in just one minute. Take flight with your New Orleans Pelicans for Guys Night Out, presented by Mellow Mushroom on Oak. Guys Night Out happens at home games throughout the season and includes two tickets, two draft beers, two pint glasses, a post-game photo with two dance team members, and a $10 gift card to Mellow Mushroom on Oak for as low as $88. Grab your pals and get on board for the next Guys Night Out on Friday, November 22nd against the Cleveland Cavaliers. Visit pelicans.com for tickets today. Are you ready for healthcare reform? At Blue Cross, we're ready to help. Learn all you can about healthcare reform at bcbsla.com slash reform. Here you'll find information on tax credits, health insurance options, answers to frequently asked questions, and a handy checklist to help you prepare. Visit us today at bcbsla.com slash reform and get ready. Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Louisiana is an independent licensee of the Blue Cross and Blue Shield Association and is incorporated as Louisiana Health Service and Indemnity Company. Welcome back. It's the Wednesday edition of the Black and Blue Report. He's been on before, and uh, now we get to talk to him because the Saints are involved in the Thursday night game. It's Ian Eagle. He's the national radio voice with Westwood One's Thursday night coverage of the National Football League. And so, Ian, uh, I know we had you on before to just to talk about Thursday night games and the NFL in general, but at least this time we get to specifically talk to you about the team that is featured in this very podcast, the New Orleans Saints. How are you? Uh, I'm doing well, 
Sean, and I'm excited to see the Saints in person. You know, that's the great thing about this Thursday night package. For me, CBS, we do mostly AFC teams. Occasionally you get the NFC team sprinkled in, but with the Thursday night games now I get to see basically the whole league. And I've seen the Saints on tape, seen them on television, but there's still nothing quite like seeing a team and Drew Brees in person, the way he executes and runs that offense. I'm looking forward to it. I'll um, I'll ask you about rivalry games in just a moment. You know, you mentioned the CBS stuff. I'm curious, Ian, and since you see more, I guess, more uh, a greater cross-section of the league on Thursdays, has there been a CBS game or a Thursday night game that you'd rank at the top of what you've been able to see so far this season? Yeah, I've had some some wacky games. This Cincinnati-Miami game, that Thursday night game, was just bizarre, strange. It ends on a safety in overtime. I had never seen that, although it had happened twice before in NFL history. That one comes to mind. Uh, I must admit that they, they start to run together at some point when, as you know, Sean, because of your preparation with the NBA and now preparing for the NFL stuff, uh, you're packing so much into your brain that you have to let it go just to be able to move on to the next event, to the next game, and not get confused as to who exactly is on the field or who's on the court. Uh, but I've, I've been fortunate to see basically every team out there. And, uh, look, some stand out. Seattle stands out. That's a team that is able to mix it up offensively, defensively. We know what they bring to the table. I was not blown away by San Francisco. I saw them in person and I, I think that that's a team that it's starting to show. They've been exposed a bit, and Kaepernick obviously uh, is, is learning, and he's learning on the job. From the AFC, uh, Denver's everything that you would think they would be uh, offensively, as dynamic as anybody in the NFL. This Welker injury certainly affects them, but not to the point where other teams wouldn't be able to handle it. They can. Uh, they just have so many weapons on offense, and the questions with them will be similar questions that New Orleans will face. Can their defense be competitive enough, be aggressive enough uh, to stay in certain games to allow the offense to get back on the field and go out and win it? The Saints were involved, Ian, uh, in a controversial call against the 49ers, the two teams you were just talking about, on Sunday. Last night we had the uh, situation, I should say on Monday night, we had that situation at the end of the, the Patriots-Panthers game. It seems that the, the, these things go in cycles, but we're, we're in another cycle now of um, some controversial calls or some, some wild finishes and that kind of a thing. Um, with regard to calling it from a national angle with either Westwood One or CBS, what is the best way to handle that? How, how would, have you thought about how you'd stick yourself in that situation? Well, when you go through your mental checklist when you're calling these games, first and foremost, you want to get it right. So uh, forget about making a great call or nailing it. You still have to be right. You still have to be on the money. And when you get controversial calls, you know that uh, there's going to be speculation, even after the explanation comes from the officials. And in a couple of cases, the explanation just has not been strong enough. The Monday night game, as an example, I think it left people curious as to what the thought press says was and, and why they made the call that they did by picking up the flag. A better explanation may quell a little bit of the criticism. Uh, but from a national perspective, uh, look, uh, we do play it down the middle uh, like 
anyone else I think that you would talk to that's doing games on a national level, they would tell you that all they really root for is a competitive game, uh, a fun game, an entertaining game to call. Uh, you don't end up rooting for teams or rooting for specific players because it's just not in your DNA with your philosophy. Uh, but the controversy is going to be a part of it. You lean on your analyst. You hope that your analyst has seen something like this or has some kind of prior experience to touch on. And if he doesn't, then you've got to kind of guide the audience through it together. And oftentimes on the television side, you're working with a producer who's giving you the right replays. On the radio side, you've got another set of eyes, whether it's a spotter or a producer slash engineer that might bring a different perspective. It really becomes a team concept and a collaborative concept. It's not all you. Uh, if somebody can help provide you with, with a better look and a better feel, you lean on them. Ian Eagle with us here on the Black and Blue Report. will be calling the game uh, nationally for Westwood 1 on Thursday night. Uh, let's zero in on your game this week, Ian. What are the storylines that you're preparing now for Saints and Falcons Part 2? Yeah, the, the key for me with the New Orleans side of things uh, is you just never quite know who it's going to be. Uh, Drew Brees is the staple. We know that. But in that running game, it, yes, it could be Pierre Thomas. We've seen Ingram step forward. We know Sproles is capable. Uh, that is both uh, dangerous for New Orleans, as we know, moving forward, because as a defense, you're not quite sure who to prepare for. But it can sometimes also be frustrating, because there are certain teams, they know who they can lean on in those big moments. And sometimes it's play the hot hand, pick your poison, depending upon how the game is going. Uh, in the passing game, Colston is still incredibly productive. Uh, I've been impressed from what I've seen of Kenny Stills' toughness. He just seems to fit in, fit in with with what they do and how they go about their business. Uh, they brought back Meacham. Moore has has continued to be someone that they can lean on, and, and Jimmy Graham. Uh, we know he's not even a hundred percent, and the guy is still uh, such a threat every time that he's on the field. So. Offensively, uh, the storylines are what they always are with the New Orleans Saints. Defensively, as we touched on earlier, you just you never know for certain because of Rob Ryan and, and the way he runs this defense. I, I feel like he gives them a chance come playoff time, but there's also that gambling mentality that can come back to haunt this team. So, uh, I'd like to see a little more consistency, and uh, certainly uh, I think they've made strides from what we saw a year ago, big strides, as any Saints fan will tell you. There's no doubt that the Saints have made strides, and that's why the the flip side of this is so mysterious to me. I, who could have seen Atlanta be so significantly worse than they were a year ago? No. Um, is there one thing that leads the way as far as what hasn't gone right for that football team? Yeah, it's really interesting in the NFL, Sean, because unlike the NBA where you get a pretty good feel uh, for a team that's building, they've done it via the draft, they've signed a key free agent. Look, you don't win games on paper. We know that. I think the Brooklyn Nets, the team that I cover, uh, is learning that right away. Uh, it, doesn't, it doesn't automatically mean that, that you're a winner in this league because you've got six all-stars and future Hall of Famers. There is something called chemistry. Football, there's a domino effect that takes place in this league that is unparalleled from the other leagues. You have time to make up for it in other leagues. In the NFL, it can just snowball on you. And with Atlanta, 
something's missing. You know, what they've had in the past is, is just not there. They've dealt with injuries. The Julio Jones injury is a huge blow. The Roddy White injury throughout, he's just never quite been himself. Uh, Matt Ryan has not looked like the Pro Bowler that he was a year ago. This team was 13-3. and They were the number one seed. And unlike other leagues, this league, it can bite you. And everything that seemed to work is no longer working. Now, uh, this is not an indictment on Thomas Dimitrov, their GM, their head coach, Mike Smith. And I I was happy to hear that Arthur Blank came out and gave them a vote of confidence. They've done too much. They've built too much equity, in my mind, to be put under the microscope and and speculation that that they're going to lose their jobs. Uh, That shouldn't be the case. But it can change in a hurry in this league. And the flip side with New Orleans, as we know, and you and I, the last time we spoke, uh, we know about Coach Payton's influence and, and how big a factor he plays. But a year ago, it was the reverse for the Saints. Just nothing went their way. Little things, close games, big plays, big moments, calls, uh, injuries, all of it. And in an NFL season, it, it can be like a tidal wave. And then you look up and you say, what happened? And that's what Atlanta's feeling right now. You're dead on. Ian, real quick before I let you go, uh, close game Thursday because it's a rivalry, or do you see it differently? No, I, I see it differently. I, I think Atlanta, they're in quicksand right now. They don't have a whole lot of answers. They're assessing their roster. Uh, they're trying some different people out at different spots. Uh, they, they've lost their way, and they're playing New Orleans at the worst time. I think that loss to the Jets was a little bit of an eye-opener, as we know, and now they realize that they have a chance still to get home field advantage. And in the NFC, that very well could be the difference between representing the conference in the Super Bowl or not. If you have to go to Seattle in that environment with that weather compared to staying at home inside the Dome, uh, that very well could be the deciding factor in whether or not uh, you play for, for the championship. So uh, this team is focused. They're locked in. Uh, Atlanta's meeting them at, at the absolute worst time. Well, I think that most of the fans listening to this podcast will hope that you're right on Thursday. Look forward to seeing you, my friend. As always, I uh, I really appreciate you coming on with us. Safe travels, Sean. Always Same great to talking to you. We'll see you. you uh, we'll see you tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, yes. Absolutely. Ian Eagle. Will, Ian Eagle will be there on uh, on the radio for you. That's of course across the country, and so many so, so many Saints fans out of the New Orleans market will have the chance to listen to his fine fine work. And uh, we'll uh, we'll rib them on the Brooklyn Brooklyn Nets when that time comes around. Black and Blue Report continues on this Wednesday shortly. Okay, you've just been told you have a serious heart issue, congestive heart failure, a valve problem, a complex rhythm disorder. Now what? At Auctioner, we suggest you take a moment and do some research. When you do, you'll find Auctioner Medical Center has the only heart program in the region ranked among the nation's best by U.S. News & World Report. We routinely treat the most complex cases with revolutionary procedures such as surgical and non-surgical valve replacements and the total artificial heart. And we have the largest, most comprehensive program for treating arrhythmias in the Gulf South, offering options not available elsewhere in the region. At the end of the day, the most important thing to hear is... I just saw your test results, and they look great. No problems. Leading Edge Care. Just one more reason to choose an Auctioner-affiliated physician. For an appointment, visit auctioner.org or call 1-866-AUCTIONER. That's O-C-H-S-N-E-R. Auctioner. Healthcare with peace of mind. 
next guest here on the Black and Blue Report is a gentleman that uh, John DeShazer introduced me to at a recent Saints game. He was in town to cover for the NFL Network, and that's NFL Network analyst Steve Weish. Steve, good morning. Um, welcome to the shortened week that you're quite used to on the NFL Network that I think the Saints and Falcons are trying to find their way here as far as getting ready for a Thursday night game. Oh, no, they'll be fine. Both these teams have played these Thursday night games. You know, Sean Payton and Mike Smith are – masters at getting guys prepared and, and not letting them have any excuses. You know, they get a long break after this game, so um, it's going to be a typical Saints and Falcons game, regardless of how much time they prepare, regardless of the records. It's going to be tough. It's going to be physical, and it'll probably come down to a field goal. Steve Weiss is an uh, NFL Network analyst, and he's on Monday through Friday on NFL Network's NFL AM. That's must-watch TV for NFL fans. 5 a.m. Central is uh, when that kicks off. Each morning, of course, they'll be a part of the coverage for the NFL Network on Thursday night when the Saints and Falcons do kick off. Steve, back in the summer, I was looking at the schedule, and certainly I think like most, you looked at this date, this game, this week, and all um, all eyes on it as far as the implications that it might have, not just for the NFC South, but with regard to the NFC in general. And here we are now. We've reached that point, and one team is 8-2, and two, and the other is 2-8. and eight. Any surprise on your end as to where we are at this point? Absolutely, and on Atlanta's end. I thought New Orleans would bounce back. I thought, you know, Sean Payton coming back, um, knowing that, you know, the cohesion he has and the relationship he has with Drew Brees, that the Saints would be fine. Um, I didn't know the defense was going to be as good as it would turn out to be, but, you know, they didn't need a great defense. They just needed an adequate one to be as, as good as they are. It's just the Falcons, though. The Falcons only winning two games. Um, you know, I expect them to kind of take a step back. I didn't know it was going to be this severe. You know, when they when they let two linemen walk, two starting offensive linemen, two starting caliber corners, and then John Abraham and seeing what they had behind them on the roster, they're really rolling dice. They're rolling the dice on their player development. You know, and if they were the young guys who they probably figured they could coach up. Well, you know, it's it hasn't worked. And then you throw in the fact that they've had just an abundance of injuries. They've been destroyed um, on both sides of the ball with injuries. It's just been uh, a terrible season for them in every way. I'm still surprised, though, they have not found a way to win a few more ball games like teams like Buffalo and New England and other teams that have been decimated by injuries have found ways to win ball games. Steve, you lived in Atlanta for some time. You're very familiar with the rivalry aspect of this ball game, does that does that play into this Thursday night? Does it does it level the playing field in in any way for for Atlanta? I think it does because this is probably going to be the Falcons Super Bowl. They're they're in the they're in the position now where they're spoilers. I mean they're they're already there. There's probably going to be a significant amount of Saints fans in the Georgia Dome. I mean, you know, when things don't work out well for the Falcons. Those those fans will will sell their seats. Uh, you know, for whoever the highest bidder is. There's probably going to be a lot of Saints fans in the Georgia Dome uh, as well. But, again, you know, these teams for years, when they were, you know, among the worst teams in the NFL, they played great games or at least competitive games against one another. So regardless of the records, it's going to be, uh, you know, a very, very good game. And, you know, and the Saints not having Jabari Greer out there now, that's a tough loss for them. That may open up a slight crack. I just don't think the Falcons are going to be able to stop the Saints. But, again, I think it's going to be a very competitive game. And we mentioned the short week. So many odd things happen on the short week, and it's very, very tough for road teams to win 
on the short week, if you look at the records historically, but with the Saints only having to travel one time zone, um, you know, nothing radical right there. Again, I think they're still going to be heavily favored to win this game. Is this game won or lost early? Um, or is it end up like the week one matchup between these two where because you said it is perhaps Atlanta's Super Bowl, they find a way to fight through three and a half to four quarters? It's one lost early if it's one early for the Saints if they get up by let's say two scores by midway through the second quarter. I mean if it's if it's fourteen to three or, you know, seventeen to seven, it it's you know, it's pretty much you know, a wrap for this team. The one thing you're noticing about the Falcons, first off, their defense is getting gashed. They gave up 41 last week to Tampa Bay. I think one of those scores was a defensive score. But their offense isn't putting any points on the board. I mean, that's what's really – I mean, again, they've got injuries all over the place. But this is the Falcons. They're going on games and scoring 13 points and things like that. And I think that's where, you know, the people inside that building in Atlanta – are going to have to figure out what they're going to have to do in the offseason to get that offense back on track. And, you know, again, I think if the Saints end up getting 17 or more points in the first half, uh, they're, they're going to go ahead and run away with it pretty pretty easily. Do the Saints brass, I mean, excuse me, do the Falcons brass, coaching staff, administration, whatnot, do they get a little bit of a pass because of the body of work, or are they on the hot seat here as we roll into uh, toward December? Well, not the top folks. I mean, Mike Smith and Thomas Dimitrov have brought, you know, just uncharted success to the Falcons during their tenure there. So, you know, I think they will get a pass of sorts. Arthur Blank is not an owner who likes to shelve out money and not get returned. I do think he's, he understands, you know, he gave, the, he gave them both the vote of confidence after the Bucks game, and Arthur doesn't give out phony votes of confidence. Um, so they're going to be okay. I can't say as much for folks on the staff. And for players on the roster, I mean, you know, they've turned over a lot of coordinators and coaches since they've been there. And with the way that defense is playing, I think Mike Nolan, um, who's a well-respected defensive coordinator, is, is probably in a little bit of trouble. You know, we'll just see how much they're going to allow injuries to play into this. But they've also got to figure out some things to their personnel salary cap. You know, Matt, like, like Drew Brees. And the Saints, Matt Lyons is one of these $100 million quarterbacks now. And that's going to really alter what they're going to be able to do in free agency. But there, I would expect the Falcons to be very active in free agency this year because they tried to, again, put some younger players in roles of importance this year, and they stalled. You know, they weren't quite ready. So I would think that Arthur Blank's going to spend some money in free agency to give a little bit more of an instant impact to get this team back on track. Steve Weish, NFL Network analyst with us here on the Black and Blue Report. Steve, the Patriots beat the Saints on a last-second uh, play, and, and on that play there was a very obvious hold as Junior Gallette was about to sack Tom Brady. Uh, that that no-call resulted in a Patriots win as Brady made a great throw and, and they go on to win the game. Here the Patriots lose to the Carolina Panthers on this rescinded call or no-call regarding the pass interference or defensive holding uh, this past Monday night. That one is getting played here still on Wednesday, yet the Saints-Patriots game didn't get much play. And I'm not saying that one should get more play than the other, but why is this one such a a um, hot-fire topic as opposed to other weird finishes we've seen in the NFL? Yeah, I mean, I think part of it is, you know, it was a Monday night game. Uh, it was, it was a, a really good game. And I think to most of us, we've seen more – you know, are far less egregious calls of pass interference 
um, be upheld. So this was a weird one because they picked up the flag that said the game was over. Um, the Saints won. Why it may not get as much attention as one, there was no no <laughs> there was no flag thrown whatsoever. And two, people were probably going to say, well, the Saints had an opportunity with two minutes left to at least get a first down and run on the clock, and they didn't, and they gave the ball back to Tom Brady with a minute and a half. The other was a penalty on that 70-yard drive, but New England did convert on fourth down. I mean, there were so many other things there for the Saints to be able to win that game. Sure, on that one play, it didn't get as much attention as this one because, again, it was odd. A penalty was called. And they picked it up on what looked like a very, you know, egregious pass interference. You understand the, the protocol and the procedures that the officials went through, and you can feel about it whichever way you want to. I thought it was a pass interference. I'd love to see the officials put the ball on the one and let the players settle it with no time on the clock. Um, but yeah, I think those are the main reasons why. And, and plus, you know, let's let's not kid ourselves. I mean, the Patriots are a team that has a tremendous, tremendous national following and a tremendous media following, just like the Dallas Cowboys, Pittsburgh Steelers, Packers teams like that. NFC South teams, no matter how good they are, and this is something in all my years of covering the NFC South, they just don't move the national meter in terms of media coverage and fan following like teams like, like New England. It's interesting because, Steve, as you know, uh, covering the NFC South, and everything else in the in the current state of the NFL, and especially on the NFC side, here now you have the Saints, Seattle, and Carolina as maybe the three front runners there in the NFC. Two from the NFC South, and games in December that will feature New Orleans at Seattle on a Monday night, and two matchups between Carolina and New Orleans in the month of December as well. Those three games alone could decide how things stack up with regard to seating in the playoffs. Isn't that awesome? Yeah, Isn't it, it just weird, no matter how much the schedule makers try to draw stuff up, it always comes down to something like this. Sure, some teams may have things wrapped up by Week 16, but there's always some games at the very end of the season, whether you looked at the schedule before the season, you pointed to it and said, this is going to matter or not. And I, and I think it's fantastic because you look at the NFC, and, and this can't be overstated. I know it's a point of discussion. That home field for New Orleans and that home field for Seattle is significant. If both teams, we know how good they are at home. And if one team has to travel to the other, that could be decisive. You know, I will say this, Seattle, I mean, because both teams have very good defenses and those defenses tend to travel well on the road, um, that kind of neutralizes things. Um but playing up in Seattle, and it's weird, it's from talking to players for years. I say, is it the crowd noise? Is it, you know, what is it about teams going up to Seattle and struggling? And you can ask Saints players about this when they went up there when Seattle won the division and was 7 and 9. They feel that when they go to Seattle, almost a malaise takes over. Almost the grayness of the city at that time of year takes over, and they don't play as well. So, again, I think home field is very critical, and I love the fact that this could really be decided with these teams late in the season. I think it's great. I think it's a home run for the sport, to use a baseball expression. There's no Absolutely. doubt. Steve Weiss can be seen on the NFL Network's NFL AM Monday through Friday starting at 5 a.m. Central Time. You'll also see him as an intrepid reporter as he goes to game sites throughout the NFL each and every week. And, of course, he'll be a part of the Thursday night coverage between the Saints and the Falcons on the NFL Network, which coverage starts at 5 o'clock with NFL Total Access kickoff. That's their pregame show. 
Steve, enjoy the game, and uh, I can't wait to see you down the road. I have a feeling with the way this is all stacking up, we will see you because you'll be uh, wanting to see the elite teams in the NFC as we go down the stretch. Well, let's hope so. New Orleans is by far my favorite city on the NFL circuit, so I really hope so. Come on back anytime. Steve Weiss with us, our guest on the Black and Blue Report. Hey there, what you having? Um, what kind of specials do you have today? Well, tonight we're doing $2 benzene and tonics, $4 lemon arsenics, and $5 beryllium bombs. Wait, what? Those don't sound like drinks. They sound like types of poison. Well, it's a fine line. Besides, this is a smoky bar. What do you think we're all breathing in right now? Uh, I don't know. N nicotine? Listen, I'm gonna hook you up. You're not really living until you've had a formaldehyde martini. Yeah, I'm going home. Secondhand smoke does more than just stink. It costs Louisiana thousands of lives and contains dozens of harmful chemicals that lead to things like emphysema, heart disease, and lung cancer. Learn what's being done to protect all Louisianans in bars and gaming facilities at letsbetotallyclear.org. It's Pelicans game day. This is the Black and Blue Report. We continue from our New Orleans Arena studios today. That must mean it's game day, as we've already talked about. Pelicans tonight hosting the Utah Jazz. Not only is it game day, but it's Wesley Day. And uh, David Wesley has stopped by here post-shoot-around at the arena this morning, getting ready for game two of this homestand. A good start the other night. The win against Philadelphia sure did take a little bit of the sting away from that rotten road trip. So... Um, how much can we take, Dub, out of the uh, win against Philadelphia? I know it's only one game, but it did feel good. Well, sometimes you need success. Sometimes you just need something to feather in your cap to kind of build on. And in that game, obviously they scored a ton of points, and, and they defended. So they gave up about 41%. They shot 50-something percent, and a team that – was giving up 109 points, well, make sure that night they give up 109. You don't want to be the team that all of a sudden they become these defensive stoppers and score 80. So they score 135, they only give up 98, and those are the kind of games that you know, just feel good. Everybody gets a chance to play. When you look at tonight's game, the Utah Jazz, this is a team that we're very familiar with seeing as you just played them. Unfortunately, you lost to them. Utah only has the one win, the win against the New Orleans Pelicans. Eric Gordon uh, said earlier after shoot-around that you can look at it however you want. Redemption, we owe them one, whatever. We just want to win games. That seems healthy enough, but I can't help but think that you feel like you owe them a little something. Absolutely. I, he's saying all the right stuff. <laughs> he's saying what he's supposed to say. Uh, and certainly that's fine and good, but when a team has got one, has one win and it's against you and you just played them – less than a week ago or a little over a week ago, you're trying to – you're trying to – this is revenge. Let's just call it it. Okay. Revenge. We're Fair going enough. at them. Tyreek Evans in the last three is averaging 15 a game. He's shooting 50% and is actually dishing the ball out, nearly four and a half assists per game too. Monty Williams says that Tyreek's first nine or so games of the season were actually his preseason after missing all of it. So now is it safe to say that this is the Tyreek Evans that we should be used to seeing? that we wanted to see is it going to get better what do you think I, I think it's going to continue to get better uh, so he's now 
technically played three games. He, those nine, those first couple were to get ready, kind of his preseason. But if you watch him, his moves, his moves are more direct. There's more confidence in his dribble. There's more pep in his step. There's more attack in his game. And his moves are really, really tight right now. He's splitting gaps that aren't there. I can only see this getting better. He, you know, he starts hitting his jump shot a little bit. His whole game is going to open up considerably. We've been having this conversation amongst all the broadcasters about the time in between games. After the win on Saturday, Coach Williams gave the guys off Sunday, and then they practiced Monday and Tuesday. Now, one camp says, after a win like that, let's hurry up and play again. Coach said yesterday that would normally be the case, but with his young group, he didn't mind having two practice days in between the two games. You, I mean, for, take me from from knowing this team now, and then also combining that with your playing experience. What's what school of thought are you in right now? Well, I can see how a coach would like to practice his young team. I could see, and I could also see him on the flip side as a former player saying he liked playing every other game or. Or, or something like that. I think that's the perfect schedule for a basketball player is to play every other night and have very few days or very few times where you go four or five days where you don't play. It just takes away some of your rhythm, maybe some of your momentum. And um, But in this case, maybe the, the Pelicans did need some practice time. You know, that game, you can't – just like just like you can't put too much in the preseason, how they came out, you can't put too much in a game like that. Philly is good. They beat some good teams, but they they have some issues, and they're not going to be world beaters this year. You beat them. You were supposed to. You're at home, just like you're supposed to beat Utah. And so, yeah, there are some things they went back, and as good as it looked to some fans, there were things that I'm sure Coach wanted to go in and fix. All right, Jazz and Pelicans tonight at 7. David will be on with Joel Myers on Fox Sports New Orleans. Before we get out of here, what did Utah do to the Pelicans last week that better not happen again tonight? I think they gave them everything. I think, uh, you know, they, they ran the ball. They they got timely threes. They they got, you know, some steals and, and turned them into easy baskets. Uh, got hot shooting threes at one time. I I, I think there was just so much. They, they didn't stop anything. Uh, and that might be overdoing it just a bit, but – you know, you take a team that averages 87 and they score 105 and they haven't really scored that many on hardly anybody in the league. There were some glaring defensive issues in that game that, that, can't, that definitely can't happen. They have to defend the three. They have to defend penetration. And, uh, and it would be nice if they could score like not 135, but 102, 103 would be great. Who picks out the tie for your game tonight? Is that you? Is that Shannon? How's this work? Uh, it's 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 always me. I usually throw the tie together the way I like it with the suit, and then I say, "Honey, how does this look?" And she'll go, "Yes" or "Mmm." If she gives me an "Mmm," I go change it. How often does that happen? Usually, I'm pretty decent. Good. Yeah, I'm pretty. Good. I'm pretty. I'm pretty decent. Um, but sometimes she'll go, because, mm. you know, so I don't want to, you know, you try and change up your look a little bit. And sometimes I'll kind of sneak outside, like uh, went to your buddy um, to get a tie. Yeah. And he put together a combination that I would never have. 
and it took Shannon a while to kind of kind of go with it. She mm-hmm. said, mm. and then I said, well, it's going to go with a white shirt. She, so I went and put the white shirt, which is the way we did in the store. And she goes, oh, yeah, yeah, that's that's working. I said, we'll go with that. All right. See, there's more there's more to this on the TV side. On radio, you know, just, you just slap, slap it whatever on. <laughs> and just roll. But you always look good. Well, I appreciate that. That's important. All right. Who looks better on camera, you or Joel? You want to go there? No? No, I'm not going to go there. That's All my right. man, and I, and I look better. But I'm not going to say that. <laughs> That's my man, and I look better? <laughs> Who said that? Uh, you just said that. You just said that. You said that. You no, said no, no. you look better. Producer Dan, what did he say? <laughs> oh, yep. my gosh. Producer Dan's on your team. He's on this side. No, He's I... on this side of the – you need to come on this side of the window. Talk to us. Rashid said, ball don't lie. Producer Dan said, tape don't lie. He definitely said, we can go the back. The ball guy the doesn't lie. Oh, you're going to go look at, oh, you're going to replay the tape on me. We might have to. Tape don't lie. On that note, should we finish Wesley Day right here? Wesley Day is is, is a wrap. Is a wrap. <laughs> yes, because they're throwing my man Joel under the bus tie. No, 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 <laughs> no, I did not. I just wanted to see if there was a little uh, dressing rivalry there. No, I don't I don't think Joel, um, Joel is pretty basic in a sense Classic. that. Classic. Yes. Classic. Better word. Yes. Better choice. He's more classic, and he keeps it really simple. He just, uh, in basic colors, every now and then I'll try and go a little bit outside of the basic color, even though that's, I'm more of a classic. I like his, the way he dresses, because it's easier for me to, to, to put on me, but I try to go out, try to be a little varied. and. Okay, well, along those lines, let me ask you this question. This is interesting to me. There's another town very close by to here whose city council is voting to put in a new law that will outlaw the saggy pants, the droopy drawers, if your undergarments are showing. Now, I'm not, I've never been accused of being hip or cutting edge or anything else, so I can't identify with the trend. I know why it started and where it started, and that seems to be irrelevant at this point, but... Um, should there be, should someone legislate whether or not our youngsters can have saggy pants or droopy drawers? I think it's a dangerous uh, thing to do uh, because there are there are ways that people dress women, men, whatever, not necessarily youngsters or whatever that. You start putting rules on how people can dress and their expression, you could get into some dangerous territory. I absolutely hate, hate, hate the sag and, you know, walking around and it's getting, it's gotten to the ridiculous where, why are they even wearing pants? <laughs> you know, you want to hold them up. I, I mean, yeah, I mean, it, it, they're wearing a belt and right. it's under their, it's under their cheek. What are you, what are you even wearing pants for? So... I hate it, but a, a rule, a law, legislative, whatever, I, I don't necessarily agree with you. I'm with you. I hate it, too, but I was on your I was on the way to your birthday party last weekend. It happened to be the same night that Rihanna was playing here mm. at New Orleans Arena. And so I was driving along this building and seeing some of the outfits that were coming in. Mm. And one could say that those should be outlawed, too. So Correct. do you start outlawing everything you don't like? Right. I don't think so. But mini, mini skirts. Uh Tops that are too low. Right. I mean, you, I mean, you could you take it a long way of what should or shouldn't. So, well, I, I we, we, you and I should just stick to our usual thing. Yeah. I, I will. <laughs> I will 
I will, I will confess something. Mm-hmm. You and I have you know been on the road together, and we've been sitting at the establishment and seen something, and then said um, somebody actually stood in front of a mirror and said. I'm ready I got to it. Go. This is this, this is in. Yes, good. we have. Yes. So as shallow as that may be for us, David, I have to admit that we've done that. Yes, we have. All right. So that took a turn that I didn't expect here. No, yeah, no. Hey, we we bring you everything on Wesley All Wednesday. Right. There you go. Tonight, seven o'clock, Pelicans Jazz. Catch David and Joel on Fox Sports New Orleans. The radio is yours as well at seven on the uh, Pelicans Radio Network. More on this Black and Blue report right after this quick timeout. All-Star Electric is lighting up the future with the latest in LED lighting. All-Star Electric specializes in the installation and conversion of the newest LED lighting products. This lasting investment is virtually maintenance-free and offers significant savings on your next electricity bill. This is Tim Blanchard, president of All-Star Electric. Let us evaluate your building, parking lot, or home for an LED conversion because we know we can save you some money. This is Todd Graves, founder of Raisin Cane's Chicken Fingers. Being the official chicken of the New Orleans Saints, we're more than just fans of the Saints. We're fans of Saints fans. So on game day, we make sure they're reloaded with tailgates of our fresh chicken fingers and jugs of lemonade and sweet tea. The best chicken fingers around? We got this. Raisin Cane's Chicken Fingers. The official chicken of your New Orleans Saints. Want each show delivered right to your iPhone or iPad? Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes by searching Black and Blue Report. Good show today. Good guests make good shows. Ian Eagle, Steve Weish, and David Wesley. Our thanks to all of them. Our thanks to producer Dan and for Doug Tatum for helping us put together the show today. Tomorrow, big, big show. Jim Henderson, Wes Durham, John DeShazer, and Pelicans Post. Hopefully after a win against the Utah Jazz. That game is yours tonight on the Pelicans Radio Network starting at 7. And then also on the television, Fox Sports New Orleans, Joel Myers, David Wesley over there. And full coverage as well on Pelicans.com. Don't forget, if you have not already done so, download yourself the new Pelicans app for your mobile device. We'll see you tomorrow from noon, partly from New Orleans, partly from Atlanta. Black and Blue Report is all yours, of course, for free on NewOrleansSaints.com, Pelicans.com, iTunes, and the two team apps. That comes your way tomorrow. For all involved for today's program, I'm Sean Kelly. So long for just a while. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Black and Blue Report. If all goes well, we'll be back tomorrow. Tune in each weekday at 12 p.m. or at your convenience exclusively online at NewOrleansSaints.com and Pelicans.com. Follow your teams direct from the source. The Black and Blue Report.